I am going to use Memberful for unmute stuff. We're putting together an unmute membership that uh, we're actually talking about on Monday anyways, so I can talk about that now. So we're putting that together, and I'm going to use that to put ad list podcasts that are on unmute um, in it. And I'm also going to use it for newsletter aspects because uh, Memberful does give you that newsletter co component. For mm -hmm. this project, I'm okay with right now being on their free account and them taking 10% plus the Stripe fees. That's really what has me against it for other projects is that, that fee. Um, but for right now, it looks like it's going to be a good experiment uh, tool to use because the Pinecast tip jar, get you're kind of limited with the Pinecast tip jar. And I'm kind mm -hmm. of talking like weird because for some reason I I hear myself in my left ear and I'm not able to figure out why. So I'm going to uh, fix that when you get talking here in a couple of minutes. But the Pinecast tip jar doesn't give you that flexibility that you have when uh, you're, you're looking to do newsletters or if you want to give additional content. One of the things that there's no hooks into it, basically, mm -hmm. right? There's no external hooks into the, the pine cast tip jar. Um, whereas with memberful, there is that, and yeah, so and I, I think, I mean, look, I'm, I am personally appalled, I'm more appalled by the fact that you know they're like, oh, we take 10% of your you know each transaction, okay, that sounds fine because I'm not paying you anything. What I am appalled by is the fact that apparently you have to hover your mouse over the thing on their pricing page in order to see, oh, yeah, and also you still have to pay strike fees, too. Full transparency, I haven't been back to the pricing page, but I don't remember seeing that. So that's you, – I've never see seen it. Okay. I, okay. I've never seen it. Okay. Yeah. And, and what you told me, like, it was said that you would – when you hover your mouse over yep. a tool tip or something like that, it, it, you know, pops that out as a thing. And I'm like, that's not – it's not keyboard navigation friendly. I'm not going to say it's not screen reader friendly. Obviously, it's not, but it's not even keyboard navigation friendly or whatever. Because I think about like in the BEP class, there are two individuals in the class that have enough usable vision that they're actually using Zoom text on their computer instead of uh, you know screen readers. Um, and they're using Zoom text because that's what's on the computer. Uh, don't email me about that. Not my decision. I have nothing to do with it. Uh, so, which means I also don't care how you feel about it. Um, but they're using Zoom text. And, you know, I think about them scrolling a page, right? They're not naturally going to hover. And I, I would imagine this applies to a lot of people, honestly. Mm -hmm. You're not naturally going to just hover your mouse over different elements on the page. Now, again, visually on the memberful pricing page, there may be an indicator that there is something hidden behind this, right? I don't know how that works. Uh, because I, I can't see it and most people don't give any sort of tips there uh, if you pass over something with a screen reader. But I imagine people who are just scrolling down the page to say, oh, let me look at the features, let me look at the comparison between these two plans, mm -hmm. aren't necessarily going to hover their mouse over anything on the screen either. And considering a person using Zoom that has zoomed in on a portion of the screen or only has a portion of the screen visible, even if there's something visual there to indicate to you that, hey, if you hover your mouse over here, there's a tool tip for you. Um, they may not even see that indicator because, again, they're focused on a specific area of the page because they have magnification on. Uh, so I'm a little appalled by that. Like, I, I don't like that. Uh, but everybody who knows me or has listened to uh, 
especially DM series. I hadn't went on as many rants on technically working because that's not what this show is. Uh, DM series is just me and Mike just talking about whatever. We try <laughs> to focus on specific stuff here. Yeah, a little uh, bit. <laughs> So, you know, new listeners may not be familiar with my position on informed decisions, right? I I personally don't use Facebook for my own personal reasons. It does not mean that I am a um, proponent of harassing those who do choose to use Facebook. Mm -hmm. I just want people to be informed as to what Facebook is doing. Same with Apple. You know, I'm an Apple user. I know what Apple is doing most of the times. Uh, you know, <laughs> I find out stuff like everybody else. But I believe in informed decisions. So when you don't clearly disclose things to people, that's when I get annoyed. Not that you're necessarily doing a thing because there could be reasons that I'm not aware of why you're doing what you're doing. But I think you should disclose that to users. I try to be fully transparent with my customers uh, when it comes to consulting and bedrock innovations as to you know, what I can and cannot do, what I am and am not going to do, what I'm able and unable to do. And when things get in the way, that cause me not to be able to do what I said I would do. Uh, just because I believe in that, that transparency. Uh, that's kind of what annoys me about. And, you know, listen, I'm not picking on Memberful specifically. We just happened to be having this conversation about Memberful. And I was a little shocked because I never heard this from anybody before either. So I have been telling people, oh, if you... On the memberful free plan, it's ten percent of each transaction. So if you have, you know, five subscribers, you're going to take ten percent from each person that pays you when they pay you, uh, whether that's monthly or annually. So be aware of that. But hey, not really a super bad deal considering all the stuff that you're getting, and they have to make some money somewhere. Right. Uh, but if you're paying them twenty five bucks a month, oh, well, it drops down to like four percent. So they're still they're making direct money from you and they're still taking a little bit of percentage because they are handling a lot of the back end stuff for you and providing a lot more uh, interconnectivity to you. So, again, I wasn't you know really upset about that, assuming at the time that it's also included the three percent basically is to strike. Uh, yeah. But finding out that it doesn't is like, oh, well, that, you know, listen, when you're talking about money, I don't care whether it's little money or big money. Percentages matter. Percentage points matter. Uh, going from 10 percent to 13 percent. Hey, that's a huge that's, difference. That's, that's a big difference. And those numbers truly look uh, up to me uh, as well. Just just wanted to throw a quick heads up. Number one, thank you, Michael, for texting me. The reason I was hearing myself in the left ear, Demasi, is because I started running the wrong session, and they couldn't hear us in Discord. And it makes sense why I was hearing myself in the left ear, because I needed to in that specific session. Uh, sometimes uh-huh. it helps when you actually read the audio hijack uh, window, and then you know why people can't hear you. So, appreciate it. Uh, yeah. If you guys want to hear how that conversation started with Memberful, definitely tune into the podcast. It'll be published on Monday. For once, I thought I was going to be uh, getting stuff going and it doesn't work. Or I thought, I'm like, oh, look, we're, I got five minutes to spare. I can go grab some water. Everything's working well. <laughs> and then it didn't. So, um, yeah, what we're doing, though, kind of started talking about it. We'll mention it here. Um, for unmute subscribers, I'm, I'm starting to do for at least the next four months, so February, March, April, and May, um, the third Monday of those months, I'm going to do a uh, for unmute members. So, and Demasi, if I explain this wrong, please jump in so listeners understand because I want to make sure there's that un- that that lack of confusion. Uh, unmute. Mm-hmm. We're setting up a three dollar a month membership. If you're interested, uh, those details will be live on Monday. So 
check me out on Mastodon for more information. Um, if you're part of that membership, you're going to get uh, a first Monday of the month, a uh, like our Tuesday calls, but it's more one-on-one, -on -one, more personal, so we can actually do the research, get information for you instead of having to keep it flowing. Uh, last On Tuesday, we had hands that we couldn't get to, so it's going to be more live. Um, and more personal connections. But more importantly, on well, I shouldn't say more importantly. What I'm more excited about is on the third Monday of the month, I'm going to do a Reaper for Podcasters course. So I'm going to do a live session, go through, teach people, uh, starting out with how is it that I configure my preferences. As Demosi can attest to, I've spent some time trying to get those configured. Thanks a lot to Derek Lane for for suggestions and things that I've went and learned after taking courses from Derek and different things that I've changed. We'll also talk about how to set up your project uh, if you're podcasting. And I'm going to go over some of the basic terminology that you need for Reaper. Um, what's a track? What's a project? What's an item? That type of information. So by the end of the first lesson, hopefully you'll have the knowledge that you need to go start producing your own podcast if you want. And then in March, we'll get into actually editing the podcast. Um, and honestly, I don't know what I'm doing for April and May. It really depends on how those first two months go and where we are, because it's the first time I've done something live like this. Um, there's not a lot of pressure because if you come to me after four months and you're like, Michael, I didn't get any value, which I don't think that's going to be the case, but you always have that nagging thought in the back of your mind. I'll give you your $12 back that you paid. It's not like someone paid me $100 to get the course, so I'm not I'm not up for $100 of having to refund it to someone if after they took the course they realize, you know, they're not happy with it. Even though, you know, you can easily say no refunds, but that's where we're going to start and then that will be prepackaged as a course that people can go purchase. Um probably after convention because i'll i mean I'll, I'll endeavor to clean it up as we go kind of like what we did with the blind employment content you know edit it that next day or whatever but i'm gonna say after convention just to be safe and if it's there if it's available earlier then awesome and you won't you won't have to be a member to buy it but go get a discount if you're a member just saying uh, and that might be a member feature that we extend to technically working tip jar subscribers is maybe you'll get that discount on that Reaper course. But I think there's a lot of value there. I've been doing Reaper for 20 hours a week on average at least. I, I think there's some knowledge there that I can pass along and why not try to get three or four bucks from people out of it. So uh, we're going to experiment with Memberful. That'll give me an opportunity to set up membership because you have the download section in Memberful as well that you can put the content in. So, one piece of advice. I know we're doing more of a businessy kind of show here, mm -hmm. uh, but you are Michael Babcock. Therefore, people are going to follow you because you're everywhere, right? Yeah. Now, if, this, if I said this, I wouldn't think about it because I'm me and nobody knows who I am. But you're Michael Babcock. So, what you don't want to, what you want to steer away from is mm, phrases like, you know, I've been doing Reaper for 20 hours, and I figure why not put the content out there and try to get three or four bucks off of people for it. You don't mm. want to say it that way. I know what you meant, but you don't want to say it that way. It comes yes. off a little bit less than what you meant. It devalues it. It does, exactly. That's yeah. a good way of putting it. It, it, yeah. it devalues what you're actually trying to attempt to do. 
Uh, so that's the only piece of advice about that I'll have to share. Um, so just so I am clear, so as a unmute member, that gets you the Monday. That's a Monday show, right? Where yep. it's going to be just for members. Okay, yep. so kind of like the live show Tuesdays. on Tuesday. Yep. Just just members only on Mondays. Okay. Yep. So there's that aspect, and then also you're going to start this uh, Reapers for podcasting course. And so my one question is: Are you not going to? Are you just going to turn around and just release kind of the the, the unedited version of that? the next day or something or same day for members who couldn't attend the live class or I'm not committing is the Reaper to class itself going to be live? You're going to get the recording. The Reaper class itself is going to be live. Okay. Gotcha. So if, if you don't make sense. the live class, you will. Have, yeah, it, it makes yeah. sense. So you'll, you'll get a live class that you can come to and be able to assuming ask questions as well. Oh yeah. Yep. Okay. So you will be a live class. And I'll uh, share audio um and I'll have uh parallels running so if someone has specifically a Windows question I can jump over there and try that too. Yeah, man, my parallels is coming up for renewal right now. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of not uh kind of not happy about it uh only because I just <laughs> I wish I could kick it down the road and for you're like gonna pay 3 it months cuz Oh yeah, I'm going to pay it. Yeah. Like there's there's no question I'm going to pay. I just wish I could kick it down the the expense. I'm, I'm we trying could experiment to tell you with Windows in the cloud. That's more expensive, though. Yes, it is because that's forty bucks. It, it, it's yeah, it, it's it's yeah. it's infinitely. Like I've looked into it for AWS, and the only reason that we didn't go down that route of spinning up an AWS machine is because uh, the Windows licensing is a is a little bit more expensive, uh, mm. and. Honestly, that really wouldn't work for me here anyway because my internet is so <laughs> terrible. I'm not going to make Mike have to bleak that. Uh, you know, you can probably guess what I want to say about this, but let's just say the internet is less than optimal. So yeah, it, it has been extremely, it's been extremely rough and painful at times. And even with my hotspot, you know, cell signals occasionally they're super great, and you see like 5G Ultra, and you're like, hey, you know, things are flowing smooth. I forgot I was on a hotspot. And then you have days like now where it's like, oh, I definitely know I'm on a hotspot. Let me quit everything that's using any kind of bandwidth and also pause uh, Backblaze because, you know, it shouldn't be running anyway. Uh, quick side note, an app that I should use and I have not set it up yet because I only recently installed SetApp when I was at home last week. Um, Trip Mode is a part of SetApp. It's also an app you can purchase. I don't know how much it costs, uh, but... reasonable price last time I looked at it I did have a license for it at some point what trip mode allows you to do is and again I'd really recommend set up as a service if you need any of the most of the apps to me and Michael talked about I would say probably over the past three months are in set up but um, what trip mode allows you to do is set up specific rules or profiles for different networks so let's say when I'm on my home network hey do whatever like I don't care I got you know a gigabit you know up and down i don't care you know upload all the things download all the things you know update the things i don't, I don't care that bandwidth is is immaculate for yeah. the most part uh except when ice falls on a line or something and breaks it but that's a different story but when i'm on a hot spot hey automatically you know stop backblaze and automatically stop you know sync and dropbox and all of these other things that are going to suck up bandwidth when i'm really trying to optimize for uh, recording, for example, or, you know, remotely connecting to Michael so we can record. Uh, and there's different profiles you can set up. It can be triggered by 
the network that you connect to. And I think at this point, they also have the ability to set up like just a profile so I can have a recording profile. And I will probably follow up on that next week to tell you what you actually can do with it. But I expect there to be like I can set a recording profile that says shut down everything except, you know, the browser. Uh, so clean feed is the only thing running. And, you know, otherwise, if I'm on a hot spot, just normal connect to this network, you know, turn off some of these things or throttle some of these things so that you're not killing the little bit of bandwidth I am able to get. But to round out the memberful discussion with Unmute, so no promises on when you're going to get the recorded audio after the course as a member. And then at some point, the whole course will be put together, edited down and really cleaned up and packaged. I would almost say uh, for members is... Like I want to do the presentation in the beginning and then probably draw uh, maybe the first 20 to 30 minutes, I think. And then kind of like what we did again with BE 101. Yeah, yeah. So I would almost say for the members who just maybe timing wise can't can't get there, like just turn the audio around for them as soon as you can. Like you don't even really have to. I wouldn't even really say edit it necessarily for them. Just provide it as a download if they couldn't, you know, make it depending on time of day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with the course, still follow the strategy you just said. So with the course, what you do is you slice off the Q&A parts of it because, one, you don't necessarily have everybody's permission to sell their voice, which yep. somebody would bring that up as a thing. Like, you're selling my voice. You're making money. I'm, I, as a matter of fact, I, I would be that guy. Portion. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> uh, like, if I'm there, I'm like, man, listen, the only reason people bought this course is because they knew I was going to be in there talking. They just wanted to hear me talking. <laughs> I want my cut, man. Right? Where's 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 my royalty? Uh huh. I want my royalties, man. I want my royalties. What are you doing? Uh, but yeah, I, I like that idea though. But I, I would say, you know, basically, kind of just drop the bootleg version out to members uh, early, like so. You know, if they can't make it that Thursday for some reason, they can still listen before next week's class, so they mm-hmm. keep up. Mm-hmm. Uh, still providing that benefit just no no nice editing job or anything like that because hey this is what you would have got if you would have been there but that's a member perk only yeah uh so you know obviously yeah, we could don't easily that. turn that right around because i will my yeah. plan is to record locally um not using zoom <sighs> got it nope. got, got some details to set up for that but i'm going to record locally so they'll get a higher quality audio than what they get with mm-hmm. the zoom recording and then just turn that around same day or or by the next day, and then they get that perk. We send them an email through Memberful because there there is that capability. Um, did you mm-hmm. see this about Mac Whisper? Steven sent me this WhatsApp message. Have you updated it lately? Apparently, you can send connect it to OpenAI, give it a prompt, and send that prompt with your transcript that it makes for you. And he was saying, so there's my instant show notes. Say, yep. uh, have a prompt that says, give me show notes and then send them the, the audio. I mean, that saves me a lot of copying and pasting. Yep. So I did just see that feature because I was actually going to download uh, <laughs> Mac Whisper. And so I had to download it. I had to find my email so I could get back to the paid version and actually download the version I was, you know, licensed for or whatever. And yeah. Yeah. I, um, so, so use that and say, write me a email to the people taking this course. Here's the replay. And then that eliminates that. Use something like Keyboard Maestro to automate some portions of that when I get comfortable. So if I like the description, I just hit a keystroke and that sends it into Memberful for me. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a learning experience, you know, technically. Working. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
So it sounds good. And then people can expect, of course, probably after this summer's convention, yeah. uh, where it'll just be nicely edited and cleaned up. You won't get the Q&A from the members that were there, uh, but you'll get the course material, and that'll be nicely packaged up for you in a downloadable zip. Uh for around seven thousand dollars, just in yes. case you're interested, yes, something like that. Because uh, somebody's got to finance this this Vision Pro. Uh, and maybe JJ <laughs> will buy the course from me and sell it to his customers. <laughs> uh, I mean that that could be a possibility too. So uh, stay tuned because we'll see. Hey, want to give Ashley and someone else who has a different username that I'm not certain who you are a shout out in Discord. So thank you for joining us live. It's it's more than just Michael and Taylor and we're having a discussion um, in the chat. So I take it Demasi does not have Discord yet. No, man, I'm not in Discord. <laughs> I don't got time. For you were going to install it though, remember? So you could you could tell me when people couldn't hear me. Um, so that is actually the reason I was supposed to install. See, thanks for the reminder. So that's yeah. actually why I was going to do it, is so I could I could kind of be the, the tester to make sure that audio was going where it was supposed to go. Uh, so uh, adding that to Todoist right now. <laughs> oh, Todoist! Me to do I this love tomorrow. Todoist. Control Q is a magic keystroke for me. Yep. Ashley says, "Come join us on the dark side." So I think she's saying, "Come listen live or engage." The dark side. Discord isn't dark. I mean, if you got it in dark mode, well, then true. perhaps, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I will do that because you have done that quite a bit for me. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only reason you had Clubhouse on your phone, but it's one of the reasons you used it is, is to make sure that I was streaming audio and people could hear me so I didn't have to hunt around for other people to find out if they could hear me and all of that. So yeah, I'll do it for those reasons there. Because uh, I try, I, I strive to be a reasonable co-host of the show. <laughs> Michael says Todoist for Teams is amazing. Um, and Ashley said thank you for the Todoist recommendation. Uh, yeah. she loves I, I've seen the features for Todoist for Teams. I don't have them because I'm a company yep. of one. Yep, I don't, I don't need them, but I'm glad that that's working out well. Yeah. Um. Oh, so, shoot on me. Oh, son of a. Um. Give me like two minutes. Gotta go grab a charger. That's what happens when we travel. If I lose you. Oh, 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 man. So Michael has just experienced one of those situations that I had this week, as a matter of fact, while I was in class. Show up for class on. Um. Let's see. When did I show up for class? Friday, because we didn't get to come back until Thursday. Because of ice storms and winter weather and roads being frozen and all of this sort of stuff. But anyway, get in class on Friday. Didn't plug my laptop up Thursday night because, you know, it's an M2 MacBook Air. I mean, the battery life was amazing. Why would I plug it up? Whoever needs to do such a thing. Get in class and, one, there's a lot more computer yeah. usage for me that day. Take your time, Mike. Uh, there's a lot more computer usage on Friday than there typically is because we were setting up our QuickBook, our dummy companies in QuickBooks, so that we could, you know, see how to keep the books and how QuickBooks works. Which I sort of know how it works. I sort of still don't like it, but you do what you got to do. But at any rate, let's say around eleven o'clock that morning, my computer is like, "Oh yeah, uh, so I'm gonna shut down here in a bit if you don't put me on battery." And I was like, "Oh crap, I ain't got no charger." <laughs> Nothing. So I pull out of my handy dandy, thank you, Mallory Babcock, for the cocoon backpack you sent me. Uh, 
Pull out of my gridded a USB-C to C cable. It's actually a Thunderbolt cable, but that's not really important uh, for the purposes of this. I plug it into the little hub that's on the side of my computer that gives me pass-through power. And then I plug the other end of that cable into my 20K power bank from AT Guys. And no, I'm not trying to slip in an ad for AT Guys, but that's where I got it from. Uh, and it kept my computer where I needed to be until I was done. When I left for lunch, I just closed the lid, left it plugged into the power bank. By the time I actually needed to get back on my computer at 2 o'clock, I was at 73%. So, uh, yeah, power bank to the rescue again. So, yeah, I did tell this story. I did tell this story about convention. Yes, yes. Well, the same <laughs> thing happened again. The, the bad thing about this whole thing is I went two days without having to charge. Well, I charged uh-huh. my computer this morning. You, you talked about this then? About the, how much oh, the Vocaster no. sucks battery? Okay. It is oh, damn no, I didn't talk about that. Because <laughs> I went Thursday and Friday, didn't have to charge the computer at all. This morning, I probably didn't have to charge the computer, but I plugged it in just because uh, I had a Zoom meeting this morning. And then I come home, and, and it had 100%. I come home, and I use it for like four, three hours, not plugged in, and Vocaster. But now, you plugged a Vocaster. Here's, here's the makes all the thing. difference. Um, Mac OS, I don't think gives you a lot of warning, um, when your battery dies. I got a notification in my left ear because I left parallels open and it said, warning, your PC is about to lose power or whatever that, that battery save remote is. Apparently that comes to you at 19%. So I had plenty of time to go grab the charger. But when I heard that, I, I freaked out because I'm used to the Mac OS. When you get that low battery, you're dead pretty much. Uh, and then I get in there and Mallory's like, what are you doing? I'm like grabbing a charger for the MacBook. She goes, don't you have a USB-C cable on your desk? I'm like, well, yeah, I do, but I forgot about that. I, I didn't think about that. Yep. Really. You know, listen, stop being reasonable. Uh, <laughs> my battery's going to die. I just know where my charger is. I didn't think Exactly. <laughs> so Mac OS seems to tell you around about 10% mm. uh, when it's about to die or, or somewhere in that range. That's when I got the notification Friday. You know, so the story I told, which you, you'll hear when you edit it, and yeah. the, you can decide to leave that in or not leave that in. It's up to you. Uh, but it was basically, I kind of went through the same thing that happened at convention where I hadn't charged my laptop because, like, who does that? Because you don't really mm-hmm. need to charge it. And I get back on Friday and I'm in class and, you know, had to resort to the power bank to get through the rest of the day because there's a lot more computering on Friday than normal. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's what happens. So you but speaking wanted... – uh, Oh, go ahead. So speaking of – so I want to I wanna go back to an earlier – portion of our conversation because you know honestly at that time it was a really good lead into a couple of topics but we had to finish what we were talking about so I didn't diverge us but one thing you mentioned is the fact that you know you thought this time you had everything set up right and you had five minutes and everything was good with the uh, discord streaming right mm-hmm. and you know it seems like this year has started out I want to say podcast wise like I, I would say we're kind of going through the trials of still getting it done Right. Again, technically working in a lot of ways because there has been some trials, including today for me. Like last week was weird because I hadn't actually recorded with that setup before, which I needed to have done. And I didn't because I didn't consider that happening this week for me. What's what's different about my recording setup is, number one, it is super weird not being able to monitor myself. It's driving me insane. Amen. Uh, Literally. So 
because I left my in-ear monitors in the classroom on my desk Friday and didn't realize it till it was like 425 and I called the teacher to see if maybe she was still there and I assumed she had just turned her phone off because it's a work phone. I was like, oh, well, I went straight to voicemail. She gone. So, and I couldn't get back in the building over there to check to see if anybody was actually still in there. Uh, so I was like, okay, whatever. And then I was like, oh, but I got to record the show. Okay, well, still. I got a couple of options. I could go buy some random cheap earbuds from somewhere or I'll just use my Beats Fit Pros and make sure I charge them all the way up and all of that before the show. Uh, I did not realize, I think had I realized how much I was going to, how uncomfortable it would be to record without monitoring, I probably would have opted for the cheap earbuds from somewhere. (laughs) <laughs> but I didn't. So I'm listening to Michael and the Beast. The latency actually hasn't been bad as far as I can tell from me hearing Michael, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, I'm still using, I'm using the Audio-Technica microphone instead of my Beta 87A just because I really can't use a, you know, XLR mic without being able to monitor because I don't have very much, I mean, I have control over the audio, but it's a lot of asking Mike how do I sound, not me being able to fix it. Uh, whereas with the USB mic plugged in, I can just go to sound source and go to input, uh, change the system input to the audio technical mic and adjust the volume input level right there. So I set it to the same place I set it to last week. And hey, here we are. Uh, but it's weird. Like we've been having a lot more random type of issues since the beginning of the year with recording, whether it's not getting streaming going the right way or. Hey, Mike, you did start the recording in Clean Feed, right? Like yes, this, yes. Like, I actually okay. literally just saved right when we got into this conversation, <laughs> talking about issues with recording. Like, yeah, I better, I better save. I have not been using markers that much, but you know what? That's okay. We did it for how many years without markers, so I'm not hugely worried about that. But, but saving, yes, I am doing that. Well, and it's a part I to get worked recording. into your workflow. Yeah, yeah. And I stopped recording. I wish we could delete this other freaking device. Let's pay on so, so what you still see? Oh, yeah. that that uh, the yeah. the, the it, I just clips. stopped it from recording, but yeah, uh, well, you always have clips, do that too. You have clips, and I have two devices here. I have Payon Innovations and Payon Innovations One, which was when we were testing with loopback or something and for some reason that device got there so now you can't delete that or you can't delete clips also uh, something in microsoft edge slash chrome is broken or clean feed is broken because it don't do it now because we know how that can go but if you go to input and you choose that drop down voiceover does not read that drop down anymore it used Hmm. to okay so hold on because now i gotta test that I won't I won't hit yeah. return on anything, but Oh, no. Okay, so that is a chromium issue. See, this is what has for years annoyed. Now this is a whole see, I told you stuff would come up, man. Yep. Yep. Told you. We, this full is, transparency. Wait, I asked him also, like, do you got anything to talk about? Because I really don't got much to he's like, Well, we can talk about these things that we've only talked about one of them, I think. Uh but things will come up. <laughs> Yeah, well, we've talked about two of them at this oh, point, or three of yeah. them, kind of. Yeah. Uh, but this is one of the issues that has always bothered me about the dominance of Google Chrome. Because much like IE was before Google Chrome, and it surprises me that the internet as a whole or the technology community as a whole didn't learn the lesson from Internet Explorer. Uh, for those who are too young to remember, 
or have just simply forgotten. There was a time where Microsoft's Internet Explorer was the dominant browser because, number one, Windows, as it still is, is the dominant computing desktop platform. And they had their own browser, as they do now, but back then, this is a browser they wrote. It was Internet Explorer, and it ruled everything, which means you had web developers who wrote specifically for Internet Explorer and any of its, you know, oddities slash, you know, peculiarities. They wrote specifically for IE, which means if you try going to some sites with Firefox, you would be told you need an Internet Explorer to view this site, mm-hmm. which drove me mad in mm-hmm. 2003. Um, and I can't really speak about Safari on Windows back then because Safari on Windows, surprisingly, never was accessible to screen readers, at least not to my knowledge. <laughs> so that's a funny aside. So here we are, I would say 2011, 2012 is when Google Chrome started to overtake IE primarily because um, people were, one, you know, Chrome was rising on, on usage, like they, they, they were getting more to the market share of browser usage, and therefore people stopped coding specifically for IE, and then Microsoft started to phase out Internet Explorer. Uh, in favor of first writing their own browser edge and then decided to scratch that because it's really difficult to write a browser and they decided to just fork Chromium, which is the base underlying open source project that runs Chrome. With that being done, that means we're basically in a, I'm going to say in all honesty, a a dual browser uh, universe uh, on desktops because the majority of people are using Chrome or some Chromium derivative, whether that be Edge or Brave or mm-hmm. whatever, but they're using a Chrome-based browser, or they're using Firefox. When you look at Mac and Windows, I would say those are the two biggest browsers in use. Uh, Safari gets in the conversation only because it's the default browser on Mac OS, and some people just run the defaults. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking mobile because Safari dominates in mobile simply because you can't really use anything else on iOS. Yeah, I know. There's Chrome, there's Firefox, there's Edge but they're all using Safari's uh, web rendering engine under the hood, so they report themselves to analytical tools as Safari. So no point discussing mobile, but on desktop, Chrome is the biggest player, and Edge is there, and Brave is there for some people who are more privacy-focused, and then there's Firefox, which you know seems to go up and down on Mac for sure. And so when Chrome makes a move, when Google decides to make a move with Chrome, they contribute that back to Chromium as a part of the open source project, much in the same way that they do with Android's open source project. Which means when Microsoft, going back to GitHub, uh, takes their fork and they pull in the upstream changes from the Chromium project into Edge, and continue building their customizations on top of it because some of those upstream changes from Chromium could be security fixes. Uh, They could be adding new capabilities. And, hey, if you're already using that project, you should pull in what what the open source team is doing because it it allows you to easier, more easily contribute back to that project as well because you're not trying to overwrite or uh, correct your changes to match with their changes as much. So that means when Chrome does things like uh, you're navigating in Chrome and you come to a checkbox and you know that it's a checkbox, but whether you click it, no matter how many times you click it, it doesn't tell you whether it's actually checked or not checked. Uh, that means you also see that very quickly reflected in things like Brave and Edge. And Edge or yep. 
when you get this situation where you bring up a drop down menu, you're pressing the down button and that normally would arrow you through, which it probably actually is mm-hmm. arrowing you mm-hmm. through the options. But reading. voiceover is not speaking them anymore. Yep. And then you very quickly see that in, you know, Edge and Brave, which I'm seeing it in Brave. Michael's seeing it in Edge. And for those curious, the reason I'm actually using Brave is because Brave is a little behind. I didn't think about this until actually I started seeing the stuff that I ran away from Chrome because of, which was that checkbox thing <laughs> happening in Brave. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot they're using the Chromium project, too. They just didn't pull their updates as fast. So, yeah. so you're gonna install here Firefox? we are. Try that. I think it's important to have multiple browsers, as we tell people, though, because it there's is. A, a, a feature in GoDaddy, and I will call GoDaddy out on this right now. There's a feature Man, in call GoDaddy called forwarding for emails. So if you set up mail forwarders, it's all good and the edit box is working you can navigate to the frame in safari but the save button doesn't exist jump over to microsoft edge (laughs) and guess what there's a save button (laughs) (laughs) same thing with updating mailing or uh forwarders too the update button doesn't show in safari and you can update it like five times and be like why is this not working and then realize that that's the issue so two tips so yes i absolutely agree you should have at least two browsers on your system a chromium version whether that's my uh, google chrome itself or microsoft edge if you you know want to go that way i won't judge you <laughs> not out loud at least uh brave if you want to go down that rabbit hole which again i'm down that rabbit hole i gotta tell you i'm on my way back out of here i just hadn't done anything about it because hey it's all gonna be screwy the issues I have with them aren't going to be fixed by switching at this point. But have a Chromium browser on your computer. Uh, running the open source Chromium on Mac OS can be more of a headache than it's worth, especially for uh, less technical people or very busy people, which is why I'm not messing with it right now because I don't got time for that nonsense. Oh, we updated. Ah, okay, now I can't open it again because it's not signed. Uh Safari is just there, so you can't do anything about that on Mac OS. On Windows, I would suggest uh, Edge is there natively. Uh, if you prefer Chrome, install Chrome. That's fine. I wouldn't even encourage you to maybe install Chrome even if you don't prefer Chrome because there are some differences and there are some things that sometimes seem to function better. Uh, for example, my day-to-day job with AT guys, or not day-to-day job, my still part-time job with AT guys. There's a lot of stuff I can get done. I've been a whole lot more efficient in Chrome on Windows than I have been in Edge on Windows. And I don't know why that is necessarily. I hadn't taken time to try to really analyze it. I just know it works. Uh, but I would also encourage you to install Firefox uh, as well on Windows. And if you're on the Mac, I can't recommend firefox at the moment only because i haven't used it in a while uh i will say that they are committed to their their accessibility on the mac and they have been working on it like it improves it has been steadily improving uh since that that recommitment to making firefox a viable solution on mac os the only problem i have with it uh is for a while there will be a release and they would add some new features with voiceover. So now there's the rotor works now or things like that. And it's like, all right, great. So VOU would bring up the rotor and it would actually have the options you expected. And the next version would get released. I'm like, there's so much broken stuff. I can't use this browser at all. It's 100% useless. And then we get another update the next month. I'm like, oh, look, they fixed a whole bunch of stuff. So, yeah. 
but definitely have multiple browsers. Uh, I encourage you to always have one that is not the same as your default. So if you use Safari on the Mac, that's WebKit. You want a Chromium browser because a lot of the web, going back to the point, is really written for Chromium. They'll say Chrome, but Chromium. Like I have not encountered a scenario where something says, you know, you need Google Chrome for this and it doesn't work in Edge or doesn't work in, in Brave uh, because those are all Chromium derivatives and that's really what they're writing for now to be fair google does move very fast on adopting new web standards and safari is much slower to do so uh so things like clean feed and riverside and uh the source element stuff and many other tools work in chromium based browsers such as google chrome or edge because Google has, a, you know, the Chromium project itself, because Google has adopted those in Chrome and then they push them back upstream, you know, and make a poll request, you know, to really get all detail. They probably make a poll request and then it gets reviewed and then it gets merged in. So now, oh, yeah, the new WebRTC standards are now in Chromium. And then Microsoft on their end says, oh, there's new updates here. Let's let's look at these, this poll request, these new commits. And eh, we, we don't want that feature that Google just added, but we'll cherry pick and we'll we'll grab this new WebRTC and, and merge that into our downstream project of, of Edge and then build a new version and beta test it and go through that cycle. Then release it and, hey, now Edge has a new WebRTC. Uh, so far, so we just got the ability to join successfully, reasonably, uh, clean feed calls, yeah. say maybe about a year and a half ago. And it's still buggy. Like you still can't change your set your default system to whatever you want your input to be because you ain't gonna be able to change it in Safari. Yeah. So uh, there's that. It, it, it might make you think you can, but it, yeah. yeah, but you can. <laughs> but the issue that I have with with this is 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 exactly what we've been outlining here and, and describing, which is if Chrome, if Google makes a change to Chrome. Like the underlying, not the not the beauty, the visual looks of it, you know, how they lay out toolbars or whatever, whatever, because that's really all Chrome and, I mean, Edge and Brave are doing differently is they're ripping out some features that they don't want, and, and especially with Brave. Uh, and then they're making the UI layout the way that they want theirs to look. So their buttons are this way and they're in this location. But underlying what drives the overall rendering engine for Chromium, if Google makes a change, or if anybody, because it doesn't necessarily have to be Google, it's open source. If somebody issues a update, a change that goes through Chromium and gets pulled into these browsers, well, it eventually it affects everybody. So now nobody in Chrome can navigate a dropdown uh, successfully. You just have to guess and try to pick it and hope to goodness you're not on a page that when you make a, a change that it like refreshes the page and makes a destructive change to whatever you're you're doing uh you know clean feed is not necessarily that way because if i want to change my input and i can't see what the inputs are i would type the letter of what my input is called hit return oh no that's not it let's try it again uh, and all that's doing is just changing the input but let's say you're dealing with a spreadsheet in Google Forms or you're dealing with something in, you know, let's say software like QuickBooks. And making this change is going to significantly change how this entry gets added to your QuickBooks account like you might be hosed. So, uh, yeah, not sure why the world has decided that it's OK for Chrome to be the dominant browser and nobody's uh, pushing back other than that Google's monstrous and huge and it is extremely difficult to build a different browser 
and honestly, I think some of this, some of the blame for this at least falls on Apple's shoulders because they are so slow to adopt new web standards. And I'm not saying a new thing that Google has decided to do themselves. Like, I mean, actual open, this is a part of the web standards. And Apple just has not yet adopted said standard or they have to go in and screw with it when they do adopt it. Like, oh, yeah, we'll take this web RTC, but we're going to put our own little, you know, tweaks on it right here, which breaks it we're gonna in amplify weird it. ways. Yeah, yeah. we're going to amplify it, which is going to also break it because now there's seeds in it. There was no seeds until you came along and started screwing <laughs> with stuff. So Mona has some new sounds, and I've known this for... Well, since they added it at, what, a couple of months ago? I think it was right before Thanksgiving. I really don't like the default notification, and I realized that <laughs> when I changed my notification. Uh, what's really cool, though, is I have this really, like, uh, I forget the name of it, and I could probably go look real quick and see if I can find what, which one it is. But it's my new reply sound. So when someone sends me a reply on Mona or they meant, uh, actually, I think it's specifically for replies, then it plays like this backward-sounding sound that starts out quiet and then gets louder in your headphones. And for me, I prefer that because it's it's more subtle than that very abrupt notification sound. And I need to go in and customize it because right now, if you have Mona set up and you don't go customize it, you just get that one notification sound for everything, and then you go jump, and you're like, oh, Oh, that was just someone I wanted to get alerted of if they updated, um, and it's nothing huge. I can look at that later versus thinking it's it's something else. And uh, it's like a reply because you've been in a conversation with somebody or something. Yep, yep. So go go play with your sounds, your custom sounds. Even if you like me have known that they're a thing, because you can customize how that experience is for you and maybe be a little bit more productive. I do need to go into SoundSource and set. Um, Mona's volume way down because I freaking can do that. <laughs> so you can go turn that down so you can have all your other volumes as loud as you want and then just get that like at 20% or 30% notification sound and it won't be as jarring as well. So that's a quick tip. By the way, you're not going to remember this, but I'm going to tell you now, the first Saturday of March, we need to... Be prepared to record something different or something because I will be traveling that day uh, to Washington, D.C. What is the first Saturday of That March? would be the third. Okay. So, yeah, no, we'll talk about second. that because, yeah, we'll talk yeah. about that because we got to do something for that, that weekend and we got to do something for the following weekend too because I will be. Alabama. I, mean, I guess technically I could I could record that night, but I'm gonna try to actually participate as a member of NFB as well that weekend. So we'll see but, how that goes. Uh, Oregon's helping me go to leadership, which I am very thankful for. And one of the so for those who don't know, I'm going to the ACB leadership in person. Um, conference that they do every year in March. And uh, ACB Next Generation and ACB of Oregon have both elected to help with finances to help pay for like the hotel and the flight and stuff like that, which uh, I really appreciate. But what was said today was we'd like to send Michael to something on the national level where he doesn't have to work because every other time he's gone to a national thing, he's had to work. I'm like, huh. That's true. I never really thought about that. Ever, it's going to be weird to go there and not actually have to work and and keep all those 
uh, balls moving and making sure that happens. So it'll be an interesting experience that we will definitely talk about. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll we'll figure out what we're going to do yeah. for those two weekends. Yeah, Honestly, I will I will probably end up recording uh, that Saturday because, I mean, look, I'll be home. So, like, I'll go work <laughs> Friday and I'll work Saturday. And then, you know what? I'm going home. Hang out yeah. with my kids. Because yeah. uh, it's a little – I don't really – I don't really know how to actually put this. Uh, like, it's not heartbreaking because I'm not like, oh my god. But it it, it is a it's, it's a very touching thing when both your kids text you virtually oh. the same thing, which is "I miss you," oh. with a crying face emoji. Like, that's not really something you want to get from your kid. No. Uh, so, even though I say I endeavor, and this is the year of connections, I know. But listen. Uh, <laughs> I got to go to Tuscaloosa anyway. I'm going to be home. So I'm going up that with my Thursday. Kids I'm keeping. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'll be home that Thursday night. They'll go to school that Friday. I'll be working at Exhibit Hall that Friday afternoon. And then I'm going home. Yep. And I'll go work the Exhibit Hall that Saturday. And then I'm probably going home. <laughs> uh, I definitely ain't doing a banquet. I can tell you that much. Like, yeah. I, I can cook my own dry chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not be too dry. Oh. I'm, I'm sorry, Miss Barbara. Because <laughs> somebody going to tell her I said it. Oh, I'm sorry. Look, I'm just joking. Right. Anyway, but yeah, that's probably what's going to actually happen. Uh, I will endeavor to be more involved on a local level with NFB and ACB through their meetings and things like that. But that particular weekend, because I happen to be home, yeah, like I'm, I'm – yeah. I'm opting to do the thing that we both have said we want to work on this year, which is like making making that time, not just, you know, waiting for that time to be made, but also mm. consciously trying to make that time. Like this is one of the few times I will be home for a weekend where I have some stuff to do, but then I can go back home because I'm not, you know, as we've discussed, like I'm not going to stay at the hotel there because I'm literally like three miles from my house. Like I'm going home, man. Let's right. Do that. Right. Well, my own bed. <laughs> uh, get enough of crappy beds as it is right now. I don't need to pay for another one to sleep on. Uh, go home. But, uh, yeah, we'll get that sorted out. Um, cool about Mona. Mona. The Mona thing takes me into a thought that I've had, and I'm curious if Michael Doys has any insight into this. Uh, I feel like I kind of know a part of the answer, but I'm super annoyed by a thing. And I'm not sure if I should lay the blame at the feet of Apple because they haven't made this easy for developers uh, or if I should be laying it at the feet of the app developers themselves. I feel like more likely it's the app developers I should be blaming. So here's a scenario. Let's take Uber Eats as a thing, right? Or Uber even, right? Or Lyft or, or whatever. Like any of these kind of delivery slash pickup services. You need your notifications on because if you're expecting a food delivery because you placed an order or you've you know, called for a, a Lyft or Uber, uh, you need to be notified, hey, your driver is pill pulling up. So you can start that whole little thing because they don't ever read the notes that you leave for them. So you can start that whole little dance of figuring out which car is the car that came for you because uh, nobody reads the notes. It says, hi, I'm blind. I'm wearing this today. Or call me when you pull up or yell out of the window or something. Or right? So you start doing it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, do something. Uh so you need the notifications on. Uh, I tried running without notifications and almost missed the food delivery one time because the person was messaging me through the app and I <laughs> wasn't getting notifications that they were messaging me because they were lost. <laughs> uh, but what I don't want is the promotional notifications mm -hmm. 
that they send me. And there should be, and I feel, uh, so I feel like there should be a way to, to, to distinguish like, Hey, I want notifications for this. I don't want notifications for that. Right. And the reason I say I feel like this should fall at the feet of app developers is because I do have some apps. Mona is a good example of this. This is why I got here where I can decide which notifications I want to receive in, in Mona. Right. I can say only notify me if somebody mentions me or I can say right. send me notifications about this or that. Right. Similarly, with Stripe dashboard on iOS, I can choose which notifications I get. So if I only want to be notified of chargebacks or, or disputes on my account, I can select that switch, but I cannot be notified. Like I don't get the daily notification of, of my previous days, um, you know, transactions or summary previous day summary, I think is what it is. Like, right. I don't get those notifications. Uh, I don't get notifications every time somebody pays me through Stripe now because I don't need those notifications. I'm more concerned about chargebacks or, or any kind of dispute, rather, because it's not chargebacks, it's disputes, right? So I just turn on the switches for the notifications I want, and I turn off the ones I don't want. It's a nice system. I understand market-wise why Uber doesn't want to do this because they want to be able to send me their crap notifications too. Like, hey, we're running a promotion. So Michael just said, yeah, pretty much that. Like, it's it's up to the app developers um, to let you give you the ability to pick and choose what notifications you get, and if they don't offer to opt out of marketing promotions, and that's on the app developer. Okay, so it's not a, it's not a difference in whether or not their app pushes a lot of server side stuff, or it's just a local app that relies on Apple's servers. Like it, that, that's not a, a part of it. It's just whether or not they choose to do the work to implement it. Uh, which is what I suspected. So, but here's the other side of why I kind of feel like I should lay this at Apple's feet a little bit because um, I don't know if you have App Store notifications or music app notifications turned on. I do not. And the I reason is because guess what? Apple started spamming yep. me with their crap too. Yep. No music Check out this new album. I don't even have TV notifications on. I used to like nope, it. Don't have those on yep. either. Yep. And again, why? Because Apple doesn't let me say, hey, I only want App Store notifications about app updates. Uh, no, it's either all or nothing, right? Or so I they're setting a bad example. notifications of shows that I'm watching, not Them new actually stuff. watching, yeah. not new stuff you want to promote to me, right? And they're not giving you the flexibility. They're setting a bad example, right? So I can't blame Uber for doing what they're doing. I mean, I do, but I can't because Apple's setting the same bad example. And I've also heard from people who are not in the position that I am, which means they're not paying for all of Apple services or not Apple premier, whatever customers. And prior to that, they weren't paying for iCloud storage and music uh, individually. So they're on a lot of the free tier stuff for Apple. Right. And by default, and these are people who typically go through and set their phones up, you know, in the default. So, you know, Apple says, Oh, we want to see you push notifications or whatever. You know, they just turn it on. And sometimes Apple turns their stuff on behind your back anyway. And they don't ask you. Uh, you get a ton of, of of spammy stuff and settings and notifications apparently from Apple to come to join Apple, upgrade one. your iCloud storage, or come yep. join Apple Music or whatever, right? Which again is horrendous, um, and I'm calling them out for it because it's terrible. Like it's absolutely terrible. First of all. Do you know how much I paid for this phone? <laughs> yes, yes, you do, because I bought it from you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, 
Secondarily, do you see how much money I spend with you? Yes, yes, you do, because you send me receipts whenever I spend this money, right? So you know how much money you're getting off of me. And even if you weren't getting that much money off of me, I find it absolutely shameful that a company that promotes and, and does things like the app tracking uh, notification thing that they did. Yeah. yeah. So that you can stop apps from tracking you third party wise across cookies right you 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 do this and your claim for doing it publicly is all about protecting users privacy but then you turn around and do the same crap but oh well we're different because these are first party cookies no you're doing the same uh mm, stuff beep <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> as what you're that you claim trying to prevent your that you claim to be protecting me from yeah. right with with companies like facebook and and google and whoever whomever else uh and it, it's shameful the app developers can customize that message i don't know why i hadn't noticed that but because most of them don't bother yeah someone an app go i forget which one it was said we know that this is a difficult decision to make we'd really like <laughs> to be able to provide you information about your best use of our application with other tools or some crap like that but it it, it started with we know this is a difficult decision to make <laughs> not really <laughs> don't allow <laughs> Uh, so see I don't even see those anymore because I just said like apps can't even ask me like no just just deny all of it Um, but I I do find it very very shameful of of Apple to stand on this privacy of their users data and do some of the same spammy crap that you're blocking other people from doing and frankly it it, it's not only kind of slimy of them to do it but it also creates problems for you that wouldn't really exist if you didn't do these sorts of things like the eu coming in and trying to tell you what you need to do about some things because you're doing crap like that uh it it just makes it harder to defend what may be legitimate reasons for say charging app developers you know 30 percent. i don't think that 30 percent is too high honestly but you know but don't you know, if if you want, you can send people out of your app and, and only pay Apple 27% now. Uh-huh. Or have you heard that so, yet? Yeah, I, I've heard that. I've heard that. And I, or 12% I've said from, if you're a small business. 12% if you're in a small business program and you apply and you're considered deemed to be eligible for right, that. Right. Uh, or I'm assuming Plus because the they have these rules. That- yeah, that they're shaving off, right? But, you know, listen, some payment processors are not 3%. Uh, like, some of them are 34 Some people charge you extra if a person's using a So while they may be at 28 or 2.9%, mm. you know, they charge you 38 I saw somewhere. I can't remember which processor it was. It's 3.8% if somebody runs an American Express card. Yep. That's why... It doesn't surprise me now when people ask us, do you take Discover? Do you take Amex? Because some people will just be like, nope, I ain't paying that fee. I'm not taking those cards. And that's why some people are like, no Amex here, or no Discover. Yeah, I mean, I understand that now. I didn't understand that, you know, 20 years ago for sure. Like, why would you not take a credit card that somebody's offering? To, like, that's money that you're making. But, yeah. you know, I guess those percentages, again, points add up, man. Percentage points definitely add up when you're losing income on the transactions. Um 
But yeah, I just, I just find that very annoying. And I assumed I was right about it's being developers having the ability, but Apple's not really setting a stellar example. And I realized, I only recently kind of realized that I've been hidden from a lot of the spammy stuff that they do, like in settings. Because, you know, when you set up your new iPhone or something, or you, you, you know, transfer over a lot of times, there'll be little notifications and settings like, you haven't set up backups or, oh yes, uh, I know. you know, com- complete adding wallet or, or whatever, right? Or finish setting up Siri. That's the one that really gets on my nerves. Finish uh, setting up your Siri. Like, I don't yeah. care. Like, leave me alone. Well, apparently it's really bad if you're not paying for Apple Music. It's like, oh, you should really try Apple Music. It's great. Uh, no, I thank you. Uh, I'm using Pandora because it's still around. <laughs> <laughs> Someone asked the other day on the blind show list, can Pandora come to the blind show? That's a question for the blind show people. Yeah. Yep. It got forwarded uh, along. So. You could go to Pandora.com maybe. Maybe. Or just go get a paid Spotify account and use Spotify. Did you know Spotify is the only app on the blind shell that lets you set up a playlist? You can't listen to playlists on the YouTube app, and you cannot set up a playlist in the music app. And it will not play Uh, an entire folder of music either. Yeah. So I didn't realize you couldn't play an entire folder of music. I know it didn't let you do playlists in the music app. The YouTube thing makes a makes sense to me uh despite people not liking it because mm-hmm. there's not really any data stored about your watch usage because nope. of how they they've cut that app down so you wouldn't be able to go back to that later because it's not tied to an account at all right. you would need a full-blown youtube app for that which i don't think they're going to do but you could go to my youtube channel and choose playlists and and watch the playlist there but you can't on the blind show like they, i i could see them oh you can't do that part no Nope. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like you can't make your own playlist and then no. go back to it and, and play. Oh, you mean you just can't watch a playlist? You can't period, watch a playlist, period, on the YouTube app. The only app you can watch, you can use playlists on is the paid Spotify account. Huh. <laughs> okay, that's a weird limitation there. Uh-huh. Like that, that's super weird. Yeah, I thought we were talking like because somebody has asked <laughs> like, me before, like, a, like a why? Video I, I try to make something. a. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I like I like these videos, or I added these videos to save them for later, and I can't go back to them on this app. And I'm like, yeah, because that app is not tied to your account, and it can't be. Uh, so, but yeah, I didn't realize like if you went to payon.media slash nope payon.live, I think, and then went into the playlist there, uh, and when you actually search for the YouTube channel, it only gives you like the different types of videos, like most popular, recently uploaded. And again, you can't play all of those at once either. Like on the native YouTube app, I think it'll play all of the recently added if you start with one and then go from there. So, Yep. If autoplay is turned on, so man, that, that is that is really, really, Ashley really asked auto. if that's an intentional limitation. Honestly, Ashley, I think it was just an oversight. Um, and And – feedback to blind shell i sent an email last week because the only reason i know this is we had a customer who reached out and said hey can i do this and i said uh yeah you should be well let me actually go check first and that's i i, that, I was that not has talking to answer. the customer but i have now checked before i call the customer back because in my mind i'm like yeah you can go do this on youtube and then i pull my phone out just to to go through the process so i can walk them through it and i'm like oh oh you can't actually Yep, that that has become standard. Like I've learned that the hard way from telling a customer, "Oh, sure, I'm sure you can do that," or "I don't see why you couldn't do that." And then to get an email back or something, they're like, "Um, so I, can't I tried that. this and How this, and that didn't work." And then I pull out my phone and look, and it's like, "Okay, well now, like, 
just like you out loud to myself well absolutely you can do that or certainly you can do that you know what i better go and check though because <laughs> yeah, yeah better go check because i could do that uh, if i was the one doing it. yeah anyways uh what did you uh, i think you had one other topic uh, yeah i probably forgot what it was that is an uh, understatement uh, michael the software on the blind show has a lot of limitations yeah yeah a lot of limitations a lot of oversights too like that's one of the things about that phone is i feel like there's just a lot of casual oversights not a whole lot of qa testing going on over there uh because a lot of things are just to me they're just oversights because Mm -hmm. there are features that should exist like it's not even like this is a specialized thing it's like people expect this to be a part of a mobile phone like swapping back to the first call when you do call waiting uh (laughs) uh-huh yeah (laughs) like i had to explain that to someone they're like i don't understand what do you mean you can't switch back to the first call i'm like well I mean, just that you you can't switch back to the first call when you switch to the second call because you get a call waiting tone. You need to tell that person you will call them back because they will not be put on hold. Actually, I think they are put on hold, but you just can't. The interface, like the button to switch back, is not available. So when you hit end, it ends both calls. It ends both calls. Yeah. 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 So, speaking of very Android, weird. Did you see the Samsung Android? Unless you had something you I wanted didn't. to mention. No, I did not see the Samsung event, and I have not listened to. I did listen to DTNS, but I think I fell asleep on it, so I did. I, I missed the part where they talked about what happened at Samsung too. So I really know nothing other than they introduced a new phone because uh, Google Fi sent me an email telling me I can get the new twenty four Samsung Galaxy twenty four or whatever uh, on them with a discount or something. So I know there's yeah. a new phone. Yeah. Yeah, and there's Sam- probably AI in it. I'm betting there's AI. That hey, that's a great bet. It's the Samsung S24, S24 Plus, and S24 Ultra. Ultra has titanium. It's 6.8 inches versus the 6.7 inches on the Plus and 6.2 inches on the S24. Um, no, I'm not doing a segment on it, but I've listened. I, I fell asleep listening to Twig, um, which right before that I was listening to the live event that Leo did on it, and uh, I woke up to DTNS. So it's really in my uh, uh, knowing what's going on with Samsung. Uh, one of the cool features, Michael says it looks just like the iPhone. One of the cool features about this of course is it does. the... Uh, you can draw a circle around something to Google Lens it pretty much, um, which was really interesting. So you draw, you uh, press and hold the home. They say button, but I don't think it's an actual button. Um, and then that puts you into the selection mode, and then you draw a circle around something or you scribble on something that you're interested in looking up with your finger. And then you can search it and then uh, you know use the Gemini whatever on the i think it's the gemini the smaller yeah the one that's whatever the small bottle is Um, yeah which is pretty cool um that apparently is coming to the pixel line as well Uh, leo has a a suspicion that google is going to step away from the pixel line because he doesn't know why google is still in the smartphone business and the biggest thing on this event this year was it was Android and Samsung working together. And apparently, historically, that's not the case. It's been Samsung's doing their own thing, and then you have Android over mm-hmm. here. 
and they had mm-hmm. the head of Android's uh, he- head of Android on live on the Samsung event. Um, talking about some of the AI innovations. And so it's like Google's going to be providing the Gemini interface for Android and, you know, Samsung doing their own thing. But the other cool thing was um, you can do live translation on phone calls. And what's really cool about this is it does the live – if you called someone, for example, restaurant um, that – spoke a non-English speaking language, it would transcribe that audio to you and then you could speak and it will transcribe, not transcribe, translate. That's what I was, the the words weren't sounding right. So it would translate the audio um, from them to you and you to them. It's doing it all on your device because you can even call a landline and it will do this as well. Um, So that I think will be really kind of... um, Really kind of useful for people who especially have live in a multicultural area and they need that to work. Um, the other thing is is they're doing uh, tran- translation while you're typing as well in the Samsung keyboard. And then the last thing I wanted to mention is their notes feature. So you can do voice recording with their voice recording app and um, it can distinguish between different speakers, which that's cool. But after it's done, it can also give you a bolded point summary uh, of the meeting if you're interested in that as well. So they're, they're really pushing the AI, trying to do on-device AI. And of course, they're, they're really partnered with the, let's get the Google Gemini um, stuff working. So interested in Android this year, Google I.O., I don't know what they're going to do this year. Uh, it's going to be AI. Everything's going to be AI, but that's the Samsung Unpacked event in like two, maybe five minutes, and they spent an hour and 20 minutes. So, oh, Okay. Very interesting. I, I am curious. Um, I, I've heard that suspicion that maybe Google's looking to move away from the Pixel line at some point as kind of a low level buzz for for probably a good six or seven months. Yeah. That eventually they're gonna back out of that. I don't understand why they would do that. However, I, I well, I kinda understand why they would do that. I, what I don't understand is why you put all the effort into designing your own custom chips for mobile if you're gonna move away from making phones. Like it seems unnecessary. Unless it's cheaper from um, but, to just license it to people like Samsung or other people and let them use the chip and Google tested it in the wild for a couple of years, see how well it works. That that could be a plan. That that would require a level of cooperation between them and Samsung that has never been seen before. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. ever. Uh because there there's been some cooperation back and forth over the years, never to this extent where it's like really is Samsung doing android the android way and not samsung taking oh okay thanks for the update to android let's go put our customness on top of it but if you have an s23 uh android users are saying it's really not worth the update so don't do the update because a lot of these ai features are coming to the s23 as well so yeah i want to know if they're coming to the pixel Mm. eight pro Pro. Because uh, if they're not, uh, I'm probably going to be a little upset in a couple of months <laughs> or weeks or something. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, whenever. I think something's going to yeah, come wh- to the Pixel, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, all of that is supposed to come to the Pixel anyway. It's probably just that Samsung got to announce it 
first because they're doing a thing and they're trying to tighten up that partnership, which, uh, I mean, maybe. We did see Microsoft step away from, well, I should have to stop making hardware because uh, they still make the, the Surface line of laptops. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they did step back from, like, their signature PCs. They They don't do the reference stuff as much as they used to which is kind of what a lot of people have always thought of the pixel as like that's the android enthusiast phone because you want the purest form of it or from our perspective if you're a talkback user or you need accessibility features you want a pixel because that's going to be the best place for them to be implemented and updated the fastest uh is on a pixel line because it's pure android nobody has inserted their custom inside of the Android OS itself and breaking stuff all over the place for accessibility. But uh, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. I guess they could license out those chips. Uh, they could also maybe have an eye towards moving in on some of the ARM architecture uh, for mobile you know, Windows, for example. I mean, there's mm-hmm. been a lot going on with Google and Microsoft here, or Android and Microsoft for a while, too. So, I mean, it, it, they could have designed their chip with the intent of doing something different, which I can see that uh, for sure. They're, they're definitely not, but then again, they could just be doing the Google thing. Well, you know what? We're tired of doing this. It's not yeah, making a bunch yeah. of money. Screw it. You know, yeah, we're trash gonna, it. We're going to kill the people. I know we put Remember the Nexus? billions of dollars. Uh-huh, yeah. 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 Samsung made the last Nexus, I think. Because they had LG make, nope, LG actually made the last Nexus, because I think it was the Nexus 5 was the last one. Uh, and LG actually manufactured that one. Samsung made, I think, what was the best Nexus, the Galaxy Nexus. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I, I stumble. Every once in a while, I'll be going through favorites in Launch Bar, and I'll end up in my favorites, and somehow I'll be like, how to root a Galaxy Nexus? And I'm like, yeah, I remember those days. <laughs> Man, remember those days? Yes. Jailbreaking your iPhone, rooting your, uh, waiting your... for the untethered jailbreak. Uh-huh. Like you, you didn't want the first jailbreak, <laughs> or or if you, you restarted to... your phone, it would unjailbreak. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why you wanted you wanted to wait for the untethered jailbreak, yeah. so you didn't have to. Uh, at least I did. I didn't want a jailbreak when they first got the jailbreak because then that means I needed to be connected to a computer when I restarted, so I could re-jailbreak. <laughs> no, I wanted the untethered jailbreak. So I could tether my phone, basically. <laughs> what was that app called? Foxit? Fox, Foxfy uh, Tethering or something? Do you remember that app from, from the city of store that would let you add Where you a hotspot to your yeah, phone? Yeah, use hotspot um, without your cell provider providing Without it. your care. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. It was nice when I still had that unlimited plan on Verizon <laughs> back in the day. Super nice, man. Well, sir. It's been about 65, 70 minutes. We can wrap it up unless you have something else. It's been a fun show. It's really weird having these shows because they just fly by. Like, not that they never didn't fly by, but you and I, ha- we, we definitely have not been talking on a regular basis. So this is legit kind of like what our conversations would be, except for now we know we have an audience. Uh-huh. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah, man. Um, Nope. I think I have a few. There was something I said we were going to follow up about. I don't remember what it was. Give me a second. Yeah, Let me see if that. I can think of, think of what it think was. Of. When I go back to edit, I was recording. Oh, the washing machine. Oh. Close out yes. with the washing machine story. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, Pull the dryer. So right? we're 
Oh, yeah, that shit is what it was, the dryer. You had the washing machine yes, issue. I had the washing so, machine. Hold it's on. not squeaking now, so, so it's okay. I don't have to worry about it, right? Uh, uh, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Depends on why it's not squeaking anymore. Right. <laughs> so what uh, so happened? We'll wrap so we'll wrap up this show with the with the conclusion of the dryer story. So uh as last we left you, if you listen to episode what was that forty three? Yeah, yeah. This is so if you listen to episode 43, we um, I left you with a conundrum or left you in this story of, hey, my dryer stopped working and the belt broke and I don't know what I'm going to do about it. I got to get a belt or get a new dryer. Let's figure that out. Um, actually, I don't even think I knew it was the belt broken at that time. Huh. It would probably help if I listened remember. to my own show. If you knew. Anyways, if there was a belt uh, okay. broken. <laughs> Yeah, so here's the result of that. Uh, if I didn't know at the time, I don't think I did actually. I just knew it wasn't working, but the belt broke. Now, got to be honest, I wasn't surprised that there was a belt, but if you would have asked me to bet money that there was a belt on my dryer, I would not have because I didn't know. Um, we went to Lowe's on a different mission to look at refrigerators uh, so I could understand sizes. My dreams were dashed on getting a, you know, pretty decent sized refrigerator, man. He did not get a sneaker refrigerator in like you planned last episode. Uh, I did did not get to sneak the refrigerator in. So what we ultimately, uh, yeah, I did know it was the belt because I think we went, no, uh, anyway. So we find a belt. I would take the belt that we had to a place and the guy was like, oh yeah, I got one of those in the back. Uh, And Tia says the guy told her that. Uh, oh, I wouldn't be trying to get rid of that. I'd be trying to save that dryer, too, because we've had this dryer since 2015. Uh, uh, we're in our third washer since 2015, but we still got the same dryer. Uh, so, essentially, I had to kind of disassemble the dryer from the front and fix the belt. Uh, Tia watched a YouTube video, so we discussed this last week in the, in the being handy you know stuff. Yeah, and we did like, go watch belt, YouTube. You video. found the belt at the bottom of the dryer after you took it. Ah, yep, that. that. Yep, sure did, sure did. Uh, so we talked about YouTube, and I was like, I don't watch YouTube videos. Tia will watch a YouTube video, so we cooperated and we got the dryer fixed. She watched a couple of YouTube videos on how to, you know, take the front off and all of that, and what to look for and what to hook up and all of this. And then I went and did it. Uh, so got that done, and it worked. So dryer is fixed, working well, no problems. And a side effect of this, because, again, I'm the person that will just take stuff off and be like, oh, I don't understand what this does. Uh, <laughs> what did I do? Uh, a side effect of this, though, is, number one, barring anything serious, and I mean serious like, you know, a circuit board or something, and they're getting fried, uh, I probably could fix it. Haven't had to go in there the way that I went in there because in previous times I've had to take the back off that dryer and like get something from stuck that went down the lead mm-hmm. trap or something. So I've done that before, but taking the front off like I didn't know the front came off like that. I was like, oh, that's kind of <laughs> interesting. Uh, two two lessons, well, three lessons learned. Number one, like it's not as hard as it as you probably think it is to do it, especially if you can take off enough of your dryer's you know frame to get to what you need to get to. So it's not hard. Uh, two, all that change that people leave in their pockets that you lose, uh, yeah, it ends up in the bottom <laughs> of the dryer, man. I scraped out about three bucks and some change out of there. Just all change. So if you live in apartments, go start taking apart dryers to get some free change. 
Probably get some free change, man. Just saying. And here's the thing. If you decide to take Mark's advice and go open up dryers in your uh, apartment complex, take a shop vac so that you can suck out <laughs> some of the dust. And that can be your reason for actually having opened up the front of the dryer because it's also very dusty down there. Yeah. I was like, oh, I got to get a shop vac so I can come out here and uh, like clean this out because I'm really invested in extending the life of this dryer as long as I possibly can because I don't want to have to buy another one. It works great. It's not too small. Uh, and it's worked great since 2015. Uh, this is the first time I've had a major issue with something where I actually had to go buy a part. And again, looking at this particular dryer, which happens to be a Maytag Centennial, I think. I think that's right. I don't know. Anyway, it's a Maytag dryer. Yeah. Uh, which turns out most dryers in Washington are all made by the same company. <laughs> yeah, just different brand names on them. Yeah, I learned that when uh-huh. something happened with one of our dryers. And I'm like, oh, I did not realize that. Yeah, I think you had a Whirlpool or, or yeah, something. You so. discovered it was also Maytag or <laughs> one way that goes. Yeah. So basically GE owns all of those. So whether it's a GE, a Whirlpool, or a Maytag, like it's basically all the same company. And then you got your Samsungs and your LGs. Uh, I did look at buying a new dryer, but I'm glad I didn't have to. The belt cost me 30 bucks. <laughs> the cheapest new dryer I saw uh, was 455 at Sam's. Yeah. Um, which would, if I would have had to buy one, I would have bought that one. It was big enough to do what we needed to do. It wasn't smart, so I wasn't getting paid for it to be smart and Wi-Fi connected because I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't really know how that helps me at all. Uh, and Sam's would have came and picked up the old dryer and took it away and installed mm-hmm. a new one. So mm-hmm. if yeah, things had gone different. Uh-huh, yeah. whole lot better, even with the yeah. cash back on, on the Sam's credit card. <laughs> like still, like I will take the 30 bucks that I just had to pay out of pocket for that. Had things gone differently, I was prepared to do that. Uh, you know, kind of a fortunate, unfortunate happenstance of the storms here and things being shut down for a few days um, is, one, I did get to spend more time with the family. Uh, and also, I was there to make sure that that dryer got fixed because if I would have had to leave and it wasn't fixed, mm. I very quickly would have got annoyed with people saying they were going to come fix it and not coming and fixing it. And I ultimately would have ended up buying a dryer. So see, it even saved you some money. It saved me some. The the freezing up of uh, northern and middle Alabama saved me some money. Yes. That is the story you can take away from this. (laughs) (laughs) There's a silver lining in your ice cloud. That'll be the name of the episode. Oh, man, you had a good title a while back to it. I did not say name of episode. I wish I would have wrote it down when you said it, too. It was funny. All right, so that's going to wrap us up for this week. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank the folks participating live that have been chatting with Michael in Discord. Um, If you're listening to this downloaded later, we appreciate you listening and downloading the show. You can follow us. He's on Mastodon at Payone, P-A-Y-O-W-N, at unmute.community. I'm Damasi, D-A-M-A-S-H-E, at unmute.community. You can email us at, uh, crap, I almost forgot our email address, feedback at technicallyworking.show. 
Man, I'm finna get some weirder dress, and I don't even know if it would work. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants to go create more work for himself to make it work. No, I really don't, man. <laughs> like, oh my god, that's the thing we didn't even get to in this show. Like, you would think a short week would have meant short work. Yeah. So, no. man. Anyway, <laughs> uh, feedback at technicallyworking.show. And finally, I would like to thank our supporters that support us through the tip jar. Uh, stay tuned for future changes there, but we appreciate your support and hope you're able to maintain that. Uh, catch you guys next week.